0: Today on the rise to the top, a rare appearance by the master media manipulator Ryan Holiday. Ryan Holiday, he's he's a media strategist for notorious clients like Tucker Max and today he reveals how he caused a negative storm of media involving Tucker Max and how that resulted in sales his tricks for moving up the chain of media very interesting strategy which we can all learn from and why he is now coming out of the uh, quote-unquote media closet to tell us all about the stuff and a lot more you gotta tune in right now on the rise to the top and a couple quick messages before we get started with today's episode with mister Ryan Holiday now first and foremost you know as a badass rising aspiring expert thought leader personal brand you know you know how important it is to protect your computer your files right I mean and save time at the same time you know I remember I never used to have time to back up my files and then you know what would happen I would lose my files which I've done before until I discovered carbonite because it protects your computer files automatically and continually as long as you're connected to the Internet and you know what's really cool is that when you're away from your computer you can also access the backed up files on your smartphone or iPad with the free Carbonite app so it is the better backup plan start your free trial today All you gotta do is head over to carbonite.com no credit card required really a tree truly a free trial use the promo code rise and get two bonus months for free if you decide to buy so two bonus months free use the promo code rise and speaking of accessing files from anywhere you know if you wanna access your computer on the go on your iPhone or on your iPad there's no better way to do it than with go to my PC so maybe you're traveling maybe you're heading somewhere and you gotta access that file that's on your desktop your laptop and all you have is your iPad or iPhone well the easiest way to access literally everything on your computer whether it's a PC or Mac is go to my PC by our friends at Citrix online download the app free in the uh, iPhone or I you know in the in the Apple Store for the apps, you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, head over to go to mypc.com, click the try it free button, enter the promo code RISE for 45 days free. So let's go to my PC, promo code RISE, 45 days free. All right, well, welcome, my friends. This is the Rise to Top V uncensored, uncut, unconventional show for badass experts, thought leaders and personal brands. I'm David Seitman garland here to help you. You know, whether you're just getting started on your your journey to build your personal brand or you've been, you know, at it for a while and you've got a six-figure or seven-figure empire, here to help you either way, all about helping you online and dominate. So, let's talk a little bit about what's going on today. This this is a very outside the box conversation. Uh, you know, Ryan doesn't make a ton of appearances, so it's really cool to have him on the show today. You know, he he has advised many best-selling authors and personal brands and heck multi-platinum musicians on how to dominate in the media, he's also the director of marketing for American Apparel, so he wears a lot of different hats here. Uh, and today, you know, it's a little bit of a different episode. So he comes on here, he's telling a little bit about his story, but also tips on how you can manipulate the media. He's got a great new book out, which is just is just awesome. Um, and more important though, it, these are like crazy lessons. Like this isn't like outside the box or inside the box things of like oh, just you know, pitch the media and get the stuff. He really talks about. Manipulating. So use this stuff at your discretion. If anything, at least be aware of it because uh, there's probably some way that you can think about this and apply it to your business. So I'm not going to reveal too much more because it's a little bit nutty and crazy. So without further ado, here is the conversation with Ryan Holiday. Enjoy it. All right, Ryan. So uh, coming at us, what? Live from the Big New Easy, New Orleans. Yeah. Coming at us. Uh, first of all, got to tell you, and we were just talking about this, and I wasn't BSing you when I emailed you about this, that the book trust me I'm lying it's first of all the design is awesome but I gotta ask this and you're gonna get asked this a million different times about this. But I'm gonna ask it anyway I don't yeah. care um, why was now the time to write this you know you're gonna get asked this 50,000 times but we, we have to do this because you're writing about such a eh, risque subject here we could
1: call it uh,
0: why, why right. was it like now I'm coming out behind the dark
1: well it's it's weird because like you know I wrote the book I, I actually moved to New Orleans to write the book almost exactly a year ago, uh, and I'd, I'd spent about a year and a half researching before that, and uh, so I sort of went like a slightly untraditional path. Like, I don't know how much I mean, you wrote a book, so you know this. So normally right. the idea is like, you go out with a book proposal, you sell the book proposal, they give you some money, and then you have like a year, a year and a half to write the book, and then it comes out.
0: Yes. Well, So yes. I
1: was in a slightly different position. I was like so passionate about this stuff, and I kept, I, kept I kept finding myself getting like steering every single conversation I was into I was in into like the stuff that's in this book like I I wanted to like pick everyone's brain about it and so I was like "All right, this I'm gonna drive myself insane if I don't like sit down and put my thoughts together so um, I moved across the country I sat down to write the book I funded it myself because I didn't I didn't need the advance and then um, I thought it was gonna take me a year the book took three months busted it out and then I I went and sold it and then you know here we are so so basically for me it was that I'm I i could not stop thinking about this and for my own personal sanity I had to sort of I had to expose this stuff because I I mean we can talk about what's in the book in a little bit but it's like I'm sure being in marketing yourself you know like there's all these open secrets that everyone in the industry talks about and like isn't happy with and complains about and everyone but the public knows about them, and I was like, "It doesn't need to be that way." And so I decided to to put them all in this book, and it would sort of be my my swan song, so to speak.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny that you first of all you decided. So you said no advance right now. I'm gonna go right. write it myself, and you know, I'm gonna get it out there one way or another. But then, of course, a publisher. It's what Penguin, right?
1: Yeah, uh, Portfolio <laughs> Penguin. Yeah. Right,
0: okay, so they came, and then they they were like, "Okay, no, we're taking this," um, which is interesting uh, for for a lot of different reasons. But let's talk about. Um, I want to start kind of. On the story around the book for a second here is that you know you know I've had Tim on the show uh, Tim Ferriss and and that's someone that you've worked with and an interesting subject we talked about with Tim when he came on was um, he had just had the the success obviously with the four hour work week and the four hour body was just coming out right and I said Tim you've got all this knowledge and this huge head start obviously from the four hour work week how the hell are you going to go promote the four hour body now what are you going to do what's your game plan and he's like we're doing this this and this. And you have worked with some of the top authors, companies, you know everything here. what's your personal game plan? Can you tell us a little bit about because I, I feel like this is a real behind the scenes thing here for yeah, how yeah. you're going to get trust me besides the rise at top, which obviously is going to sell every copy in the history of mankind. but tell me what's your strategy here for getting this out to the world?
1: Yeah, so I mean what I, what I really sat down to do or I realized that I had this unique opportunity with the book to prove all the stuff that I'm talking about in the book. So sort of I laid out the marketing plan with one with one sort of aim in mind, As, aside from being successful, because obviously that's important and I want to sell a lot of copies and get it in people's hands. But like I, I kind of every decision I was making, I was thinking like, how can I, how can I put this in some sort of like, did um, all the tactics that I lay out in the book and all the things that I say you can and should and must do, I wanted to do for this book. So like I have, um, I have a bunch of like stunts planned that are sort of already in the works so they were already done before like I was on the radar for people. Um, I, I tried to sort of really like so I, I'm really a big proponent of sort of like the vertically integrated model that there's not a big like that you don't make a product ship it and then decide how you're gonna sell it. Okay. So like for me, it was like how, how can I put things in the book that are gonna make people talk about it? How can I, how can I create a cover that's gonna like create a spectacle and generate attention? How can I, um, how can I go out to my networks and contacts and sort of like get a base going and, and get some momentum? And so like for me in this book, I really saw it as an opportunity to prove the things in the book. And it's so far, it's unfolded sort of exactly like I've planned. And now I'm kind of just been sitting on my hands, waiting for for the big day to come, and then everything to sort of start happening.
0: Yeah, and, and some of the tactics you just mentioned, which of course you talk about in the book, uh, this is stuff you've been doing, you know, for other people yeah. and and things like that. And I think this would be really cool to talk about because we don't get to see a lot of the behind the scenes things that you did. And you know, it's funny, your name was kind of buried. Uh, you know, a lot of people didn't say, "Oh, I work with." You know, it just kind of came out out of nowhere. Um, people that didn't know you, obviously. Um, and you know, Tucker Max. You mentioned him a lot in the book. You mentioned him a lot on your blog. That was one of your biggest, you know, clients, friends uh, that you that you've worked with. First and foremost, how did you start a working relationship with Tucker? I know that had something to do with a blog post, but t- what, yeah. tell me, tell me what happened. How did you even meet? tucker max before you even started doing stuff with him.
1: so i think i read his stuff when i some someone sent me one of his stories when i was in high school and i thought it was hilarious obviously <laughs> so i i read them all we would i remember sitting in, in classes where they let you use computers and we would all like sort of pass them around and laugh and say like i can't believe he did that or, or whatever and so um from that i i, I remember seeing it and i remember seeing he was like working with other writers and authors and i thought like I'm not old enough yet, but, like, I want to do that someday. Like, I want to be one of those people. And so I kind of just, like, hatched a plan. I I decided, like, I wanted to meet this person. I wanted to work with him. I wanted to learn from him. And so I just sort of waited until I had my chance. And the first chance I got was I was writing for my college newspaper a few years later, and I decided to write an article about him. And I, I wrote this article knowing, and I think he knows this now, but he didn't know it for a long time. I wrote this article knowing that, as a blogger, he tended to post on his site positive articles about himself that he liked. Okay. And so I wrote it. this article with that in mind. Like, like obviously the audience was like the people reading the newspaper, but for me, the real audience was him. And so I wrote this article. Uh, he really liked it, and we sort of struck up a friendship from there. And I would just, I was like, you know, a really hungry 19-year-old, 18, 19-year-old kid, and I would just send him every question that popped into my head that like I thought he could answer and I sort of proved myself that way and then um, I you know I offered to do something I had an idea and and then um, his first book came out and I started as his assistant and uh, you know three other New York Times bestselling books later here I am
0: right now you gotta let us in on some of this stuff here because okay. you know when Tucker was on the show, when he came on the rest stop, he talked a lot about how he, you know he started with the web. He got rejected by all the publishers, and then he got his website up and got the stories out there. And then they all came back and they wanted to publish a book. And then it was this big hit. And there were gaps, right? Right. <laughs> obviously, First. obviously in the story here, and you know, a big thing about Tucker is he's a polarizing guy, especially, and it was played up big time because you know, you, you and I both know he's a much nicer guy than than kind of the character as well. But he. What specifically did you come in and do on the marketing PRN? Um, maybe give us some a story or a specific example of something cool that really blew up the book, um, especially early on.
1: Yeah, I mean, so what we realized is that there were the people who liked him and thought he was funny. And like they would say, like, hey dude, you gotta check this out, and they would they would pass it around. This was kind of like almost pre-Facebook, um, pre-Twitter for sure. Um, right. so like people would email things or they'd post it on blogs but we realized that the people who were most vocal about spreading his work and when he seemed to see the largest spikes in traffic was when people hated him or said negative something press. negative or nasty about huh. him and like of course this only works when the stuff is actually good so what would happen is like you know some feminist blog or something would write something about how much they hated him and how no one should read this and it's awful and you know it would send a spike of traffic and then what we would actually see when we would look at the data is that most of those people would stick around so huh. they would write comments about how much they hated it and how they thought it wasn't funny but like in the privacy of their own homes like as a guilty pleasure they loved his stuff
0: interesting
1: and, and so we, we realized that like these when these people are saying they hate you they're still linking to your website and talking about you and so we really encouraged that early on. Like we would find people and we'd be like, "Man, I bet this person would really not like your stuff." And we would make sure that it would get in front of that person. Exactly. And so like we would send her, we would send her like I mean it's both men and women because it's like, you know, uh right-wingers hate them as much as like Oh yeah,
0: and um, this it. is an equal it's an equal gender uh, offender here for exactly. sure. Exactly.
1: So so you know, like one of one of the most effective tactics is uh, pretend to be someone who hates him and sending from a fake email address like an, uh, a link that says, "Like, hey, have you seen this? It's awful. You, you have to write about this. Like, please tell your readers to stay away. When really, of course, what they're doing is telling their readers to check it out. And so like, that was our initial strategy early on. And it, it escalated to the point where when we were doing his movie and some of his more recent books, we were actually organizing fake protests and vandalism of like, things related to him and his book. That's the first because,
0: story in your book, by the way, is you're out there spray-painting your own billboard that you created and paid for. Am I correct?
1: Yeah, of course. Of course. And it worked, it worked like a charm. And uh, <laughs> be, because, because, for instance, like, so someone being a popular author and then someone else hating that popular author, now for the media who has to be objective about this, that's an opportunity for them to cover the controversy right and so there's gonna, two sides there's gonna, two sides exactly exactly and there has to be two sides or it's kind of impossible for the media to really cover it like unless you're you know much beloved or much hated like and those are more difficult to accomplish it's it's better to sort of be this polarizing figure like you said because because the media, you know, which is just as is interested in making a profit as anyone else, knows that if there's two passionate groups, they're both going to read, they're both going to comment, and they're both going to draw attention to it.
0: Yeah. So I mean, what's what's interesting? The takeaway that I'm getting from this, and I find this this super fascinating, is a lot of times we talk about all right, yeah, everyone knows that cliche term like uh, any press is good press, right? right? Which is pretty much true. But it, a lot of people are like, okay, I ha- let's say they have a book or they have. A product of some kind or or something they're trying to get out there. You're like, you know what I need to get it to is the people that are gonna love it. Those are that's that's the normal philosophy. I'm putting that in quotes. It's like I'm gonna get to the people that love it. Oh, this this blog covers books about dogs, and I have a dog book. I'm gonna go cover that one. I'm not gonna go to the cat blogger that hates the dog. Do you know what I mean? And say never read this book. Right? You know. But you went that route, uh, and, and it worked. And you did everything from. From what I understand is, yeah, you you were the master of the fake email address. So so, I'm gonna paraphrase this. To correct yeah. me if I'm wrong on this. So basically, you would find someone that was definitely gonna hate him. Pretty obvious right. who to find. Okay, let's just say it was Joe Smith who, who hates you know drinking and sex or something. Okay, right. and you know he's gonna hate Tucker Max. So you would create a fake email from Tom Jones, hater of Tucker Max. Right, right, and be like, I can't believe this. Da 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 da. Check this out. Make sure your peeps know not to get this book. Right, right, and and that was pretty much the strategy. The movie too, right?
1: Yeah, totally. Because because it's like bloggers need to post a lot. They have lots of things that like they have so page view quotas they have right. to hit. Sometimes they have post quotas they have to hit. They're sitting at their computer, sort of waiting for news to fall in their lap. Because the it's not like. It's not like they're out investigating stories all day. Like they don't have the sort of the time and resources to do that. They they have to post, you know, five times a day, ten times a day, wh- whatever it is. And so if you sort of if if you can know what their triggers are, what sort of provokes them to act, what would make for an easy or a controversial or an interesting post for them, you can sort of through these anonymous emails, which I talk about in the book, sort of Drop that thing in their lap and and they they jump all over it um and it it work it doesn't always work, but it works a lot more than you would expect and and as I found a lot more than I would almost want it to work as a consumer of news too, because right. like that's what scary. I discovered it's like you know it's okay they're getting mad at this author, but now these people are also sort of like. Impacting the actual news, and then it gets a little scary. But that's a, that's another story. right. That's
0: a that's a huge topic, guys. Too whether this is good or bad. But what what what's interesting also on this um, is you talk about this concept called uh, you know basically moving up the chain, right? Where, where you start with someone that is very very small they're trying to maybe local or something like that and they're looking to move up the chain in the world and they're and they're not really the best fact checker in the history right. of mankind right Or sure. you go in them and 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 then a bigger blog looks at it and a bigger blog and maybe a, a national news site it goes on and on and up possibly to CNN Um right. with Tucker was was that sort of the strategy when it because I've seen, you know meaning like when you were reaching out to people that to to bring this initial Negative press, if you will, onto it. Did you right. do that strategy? Like, were you going after kind of lower people, or it did it not matter because it was like you knew I, it was going to piss people off anyway? It,
1: it, it all depends. But I, but what's really interesting is bloggers are very open and transparent about how much they rely on other bloggers for news or information. Like you, right. you, know, you go to Matt Drudge and you're like, "How do you get all this news?" And he's like, "I read lots of other blogs." So it's like, it, for for us, what we realize is like, look, okay, we can't pitch Matt Drudge. We don't have access to him. He doesn't know who we are. He doesn't care. But if we can figure out sort of where his radar is, we can we can pop up on it. A couple like if we if we do one here and then we do another one and another one. Now all of a sudden, in terms of his worldview, this is a guy who's getting talked about a lot. Like I, I, I talk about this book. Katie Kirk says like you know. I get lots of news stories from my Twitter followers. Well, she only has 700 Twitter followers. So, like, that's actually a pretty manageable amount of people that you could, that you could influence or, or use to get access to someone that otherwise you'd have to hire a $50,000 a month uh, publicity firm for. Or, um, like, you know, music supervisors. How do they find out about what new music they want to put in a TV show? They read five or six different music blogs. And yeah. it's not that difficult for you to reach out to, meet, befriend, and then eventually get coverage on one of those music blogs. And now you've indirectly pitched that influential person. And it turns out, in my experience, that those indirect pitches actually matter more and have more of an effect than a direct pitch because this person thinks they're discovering your thing rather than like you know going like yes a PR person told me about this but like I think it's worthwhile enough that I want to write about it as far as they know They found this organically, right? But reality is, it was all orchestrated,
0: right? Basically, so you infiltrate the lower levels, if you will, that eventually, and the lower levels are what the upper levels use to get the information, and that's how you get on the upper levels. I mean, yeah, Yeah. it's it's quite a system. And with Tucker, what was interesting is is a lot of it was obviously the polarizing sort of negative thing. Now let's talk about another one of your clients, uh, Tim Ferriss, right? right? Another another good friend of the show. And Tim, you know what? Some people would argue that Tim is, is polarizing, okay? Right. Um, but some bit. might not. Not like Tucker.
1: Uh, t- Tucker not how he became popular.
0: Correct. Not at all. Uh, right. t- very different story here because Tucker is obviously very polarizing. Tim, you could argue, you know, some people be a little bit, but nowhere near. I mean, I mean, if, if Tucker's at a 99%, Tim's at a, at a, right. a 2%. So right. What was sort of the strategy with him? And did you come in for the four-hour work week? Were were you involved in that at all? Or or because you know, Tim, we all know a lot of that story was more dealing with personal blogs and things like that where he got coverage for the four-hour work week. What 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 kind of things did you do with Tim?
1: Yeah, I mean so so Tim and I's relationship is a little bit different. So I met Tim, I was actually at South by Southwest with Tucker when I was repping Tucker. I you know, I was like I think I was still his assistant at the time. And Tim is like Tim is a master of of Deconstructing systems, and so Tim had already had all this figured out. So Tim came to me, and we sort of sat down, and we just shot the shit about like what bloggers he should talk to, because he already realized this too. He realized that like, look, I'm not going to get in the New York Times as a first time author by pitching the New York Times. Right. Not but if Robert Scoble and TechCrunch and Mash, well, Mashable didn't exist, but Robert Scoble and TechCrunch and TechMeme and all these tech sites are constantly talking about me. The New York Times is going to call me and all I have to do is say yes. And that's that's what he did that was so smart is he realized uh very early on that these bloggers sort of control and drive the conversation and then that conversation is is sort of reified and 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 made real through mainstream coverage. And he focused all his energy on those early influencers and and it worked really well. Like like I don't advocate Tucker's path for for anyone or the other controversial authors that I've worked for. Like obviously, good positive press um, is always going to be preferred over being a polarizing controversial right. figure. But that's not always open to some people. And and like I I always recommend trying the the sort of the the tamer path first. And for Tim, he's such an incredibly likable and smart and connected and awesome dude that it was just. He he just went out and hit it off, you know, face to face with all these guys, and it was it was. Uh, then the day that he launched, I, I remember, like, so I sat down and had this. This is a funny story about Tim. I sat down and had this conversation with Tim, and we went over all this stuff. And he was like, "Hey, like, do you think you guys could could um, like help me out? We could do like a post on your site or whatever, and it would just come out the day of release." And we're like, "Yeah, of course, like, we'll help you out. You're just you're just getting started." And you know, the day his book comes out. And and like you know, I, I pull up Google, and he he had obviously done this with fifty other people, and they all thought that they were the one guy who was helping him out.
0: That's a Tim and move. This is a Tim move.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it just and then you know, if you're a reporter and you log on to TechMeme like that morning, and this guy you've never heard of has fifty posts about him, that's someone that you want to. That's someone who's now officially on your radar, and you're going to look for a way to cover them.
0: Ah, uh, interesting. Now. With, with, these are both, and all the examples we're using, yours yeah. included, is all books, right? So we talked about, yeah. and, and talk, well, and we had a movie too. That's that's one other story. But let's talk about American Apparel, aka yeah. your day job uh, and night job, if you will, director of marketing. Yeah. And you were hired there when you were like a fetus. You were when, when you were how old were you when you got hired there?
1: I think the 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 second day I worked there I turned 21 years
0: old okay and 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 how did you end up there just out of curiosity and, and like because that's you know being a 21 year old director of marketing and now you're what 25 Ryan, 26 yeah. okay 20, 25. 25 so back when you were 21 I mean that's like a ballsy play across the board one it, uh, especially on their end you know what I mean say right. we're bringing in a 21 year old to be the director of marketing how did you end up there first of all,
1: I mean I didn't start in that position okay obviously, but um, one of the one of the other authors I work for is Robert Green who wrote the 48 laws of power he's he's a longtime advisor to Dove who's the founder and owner and now he's on the board and so like they were dealing with a, a sort of a very specific problem that I had dealt with uh, Robert and some of my other authors with it just a sort of like an internet media problem like I talk about in the book um, and I came in to help them out with that and I sort of I was like man this is a this is a cool canvas to to sort of play around with, and i I just never left
0: yeah and and so you come in here, this is a different ball game though. I mean because we're talking clothes, and you, you know you mentioned um you know things like sending shirts to you know fashion bloggers and things like that right. little, little little stuff like that. what has been k- kind of the biggest marketing wins whether it's a- or p r marketing whatever you want to look at it strategy standpoint. For American Apparel, that you've kind of orchestrated, because I think we can always w- learn from, you know, as entrepreneurs that we all are, uh, listening and watching this. That you know, it's always good to hear from someone else's wins, and then try to figure out kind of how can we at least take some of those tactics or ideas and implement them in my business, regardless of what it is. So, it, you know, it, what, what's what's co- sort of
1: worked for you guys?
0: Yeah, yeah. So
1: uh, American Apparel, it turned out, is actually in a kind of a similar place to a lot of the authors I work with, which is that they've got a great thing, they've got a lot of like fans, it's very popular, but like being a made in USA manufacturer, like, so so think about it, like, you know, uh, other companies, they pay their workers like 50 cents an hour, Mm -hmm. American Apparel pays its sewers between 13 and 18 dollars an hour, but it's, 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 those other companies, it's not like they're minting money. Where does where does all the money that Nike is saving by paying you know kids in Indonesia to make their shoes? Where is it all going? It's going to LeBron James or it's going to like the Nike Town in Times Square. Like they're spending that money on it very expensive marketing things. And Dove kind of hmm. saw a lot of those things as being very inefficient and wasteful. And he's totally right. So the idea was like, how do we market this global international brand with what is essentially a shoestring budget, like American Apparel's. American Apparel is a company with, you know, between five hundred and six hundred million dollars in annual sales, and its its marketing budget is under ten million dollars, mm-hmm. marketing and advertising. And so that is a fraction of what other companies are spending. And our so our mantra is like ROI. How can we do things cheaply that have a massive outsized, uh, outsized ROI? And so like my favorite way to do it, my friend. You right, know that. I mean. <laughs> That's the only way to do it, uh, unless you know you're a rich person who's playing with other people's money, which like we were not. And right. so, um, we like you turn to the internet in that case because the internet is what's uh, like I'm talking about in the book. The media is what drives the internet. Uh, the the internet is what drives the media cycle. So how can you be influential on the internet that then gets you the things that all these other people are paying for? So like a big win. We were really early to fashion blogging, which has now become incredibly influential. Like right. You know, like three, four years ago, these people were like, were, were sort of living at home, taking pictures on the side, and now they're like sitting next to Anna Wintour in, in New York Fashion Week, and we like, we reached out to all these people. I mean, I personally did it. I like, I read every single fashion blog. I got to know these girls. I reached out to them. I met them, and and I said like, you know, how can we help you? We're like although we're operating on a shoestring budget our resources as a as a huge company to them are immense and so right. it's like what can we do to help you that like help you do what you're doing how can we how can we provide you clothes like how can you like do you want to come to our factory do you need help with stuff like what can we do and and we got we started we built working relationships and i think deep friendships and we help them like we send traffic to their websites like so for instance American Apparel, uh, which is and not many brands do this, on every item that we have that fashion bloggers seem to like, we display their pictures for our users, mm-hmm. to for our customers to say like this is a cool way to to wear this garment. So you oh, know, and you're sending traffic there,
0: this. and you're kind of doing that thing too.
1: Yeah, so so like we send traffic to them, they send traffic to us, um, and, and we sort of give them some. Like I think early on we. We helped give some credibility to that industry by saying, like, look, we're a major cool company, and we think this is cool too. And so we started working with them. And, and you know, like a few years later, some of these girls make you know hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, if not millions of dollars a year. They're fashion icons. I mean, uh, I remember there's a there's a girl named Tavi, who's, who, her name is is Style Rookie. She started as I think a 12-year-old fashion blogger like two years ago and we were like the first company to ever contact her and we sent her clothes. Now she runs her own influential magazine and so that was one – like I really recommend getting in early on stuff because these personal – like these are are not corporations. These are person-run businesses, lifestyle businesses and they don't forget the people that were there for them early.
0: Right. No, I, I agree. And, uh, and also usually coming from that perspective, because I know a lot of our community here are those people, are the fashion blogger. Do you know what I mean? And so it's always yeah. interesting to hear about this. Now, a couple things on that uh, that people are probably going to want to know. Number one, um, back then, this might change now, so yeah. either way, but um, one one thing that people have a problem with uh, or challenge is identifying just the bloggers themselves. You know what I mean. Yeah. This is a constant challenge. and I know once you open open your eyes, you can find, figure it out. But uh, did you have a specific way that you were like, "Here's how I'm gonna get a list of of you know"? Do you just search around? Were you just uh, you know playing tic tac toe? How, how did how did it work? Where you kind of found these people?
1: Yeah, I get this question a lot too. Um, and like like I think you know going back to the Tim Ferriss thing, I think a lot of people think it's like, "Oh, I'll just outsource the research. Like I'll have someone in India pull me a list of influential blogs." That's not how you do it. You have to genuinely care and be passionate about the thing that you're doing. And so like I, you know, I was one of the first ones. Like I, I went through, I found all the all the, the ones that were doing cool work. And I also sat with like the creative people in American Apparel and, and we were I was like, what blogs do you like? Don't like I was looking for the ones that I could see, you know, sort of based on my understanding and expertise, which ones were influential, which ones had big audiences. But I said like which ones do you think artistically are the coolest? Who's doing the coolest work? Because that's someone that we can provide the most value and help towards because we can help them get a bigger audience. And so a lot of these girls who who essentially had no followings when we first met them are now, you know, hugely influential, partly because like we helped like I don't want to take credit for their success by any means, because that's not that's right. not what occurred. But like we kind of said like what you're doing is cool keep doing it and i think that that encouragement from a big company is important and so i don't think there is any sub unfortunately there's no substitute for hard work in this case and genuinely like doing the research yourself and knowing the industry you're in like if if you don't know what influential bloggers are in your space you're, you're kind of not, not doing your due diligence we're yeah. in
0: trouble we're in trouble yeah and and right now i mean it's just it, it's just pay attention. I mean, it's one of those things. Uh, now, you, said, you mentioned something that you, you would reach out to these fashion bloggers and say, hey, you know, here's what we are and, you know, how can we help you and da 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 da. Did you find that there was a consistent ish? Response for the the way that that you could help them, like where people like, oh, we need more traffic, we need more clothing to wear, do we need more, we need more da 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 da. Have you noticed that there was any kind of pattern there uh, amongst it, where then you knew kind of moving into the future that you could just say, hey, you know what, I'd like to send you some stuff or whatever like well, that.
1: What what we really tried to do was provide as much value as we could, sort of without asking for anything, and making it clear that there were no strings attached. So it's like. If you're a blogger that did a decent amount of traffic, like I'm going to shoot you an email and say like we want to advertise on your site. Like you have something cool. Like we want to we want access to your audience. Like here's how much we can pay you on a monthly basis. Or if it was someone who's like doing cool designs or DIY stuff, like give me your address and I'm just going to put you on a list and we're going to send you a package every week. And the idea was like um, I, saw, I saw a great panel at South by Southwest this year about startups, like about startup advising. And I think it was Gary Vaynerchuk or one of those guys, he was talking about how um, he found that when as an advisor to these startups, he was really, cl- or actually the other way around, when the startups were really clear about what they wanted from their advisors, like when they put it out all right, down on right. paper, they only got that. Like when they said like, you will give us like one tweet a month, You'll get us access to two investors. Like the person would only do that. But when they would just like say like, hey, we want you to advise us. Like here's like a small equity stake in our company. Like we want to work with you. That person would sort of like bend over backwards to be coming up with cool opportunities for the startup. So like that's that's Interesting. kind of like, it's like when you, when you make it too transactional, it's only going to be a transactional relationship. And so like what I thought it was like, like, look, probably I could send people clothes, like, if they agree to post them, but I think it's much better that I send them a package of 10 different items, and they wear the ones they like, and that's it. And if they don't like, like, we we put a note in, like, all the packages that we send to fashion bloggers, for example, that says, like, like, we thought you would like this. If you don't, throw it in the trash, give it away, like, Send it back to us. Do whatever you want. Like this is yours because we like what you're doing, and we hope you like it too. I think I think the thing says like show us your style, but it doesn't say like you must do this. Please do that. Yeah, because like that's not how you build a real relationship with anyone.
0: Right. Right. Ryan. By the way, you know this reminds me of my days. Not to antidote a story into here. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, is that uh, it? Reminds me of my days. A little known fun fact is that I uh, in. It, Back in the day, was the fashion intern, the fashion intern at FHM magazine. Wow! uh, Back in the day, in 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 New York City, and I remember kind of the efforts, and and this was in uh, geez, uh, 2005. Okay, this is not that long ago, my friend. Uh, and so you know, long
1: time for FHM. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Now that it doesn't exist,
0: but uh, in print form in America, but uh, you know, I remember that was my first. Uh, experience of seeing kind of how this worked. I saw the editor. I saw how many packages the editor would receive on a daily yeah. basis of free stuff. And, and, and it was amazing because she always would come to me and she, and she was ethical. Like I, I got to hand it to right. her and and it, She would always emphasize on what was acceptable to take and what wasn't. And that right. we, we don't write about things that we take. Meanwhile, I'm like such, I, you know, I'm, I was 21. I, I'm like emailing, you know, like clothing people, I'm like, can I have this shirt? Do you know what I mean? I'm right. like, I am like, yeah. I mean, I was like out of control. But that being said, you know, it's just interesting to watch how that stuff's created because it all comes down to the product. Do you know what I mean? Right. It really does because because if the stuff sucks.
1: It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't A- matter. Ab- absolutely. And so like we're not going to send people things that like we don't like and we don't think that they'll like. And we're, we're also not going to pressure someone into writing about it because that like – it's better that you give them, like, anyone. Like, you know, you're you're pitching someone a book. Send them the book. If they like it, they'll write about it. But if you're, like, like arranging in advance that this person is going to, like, sight unseen, this person's going to review your book or going to review your product, if they hate it, you just, like, uh, you just signed a contract for a negative review on your book. Like, you don't want that. Like, right, right. So I, I, I prefer to sort of, like, keep no strings attached and and sort of, create a, a karmic debt so to speak a, a positive karmic debt
0: alright very cool alright now I want to spend the last few minutes talking book here and I got some okay. like random book questions for you like All not right. the ones that you're gonna get a million different times here as you get going here so first and foremost I, I'm gonna link this up below in the show notes is trust me I'm lying confessions of a media manipulator July 19th is the official release date correct okay yep. so whether you're watching this after or whatever you're watching this uh, make sure to go get it now I gotta ask a couple specific things here. now number yeah. one the cover is badass. Now we were talking a little bit think- this off off uh, camera before we started, but I looked at this cover. The first thing I thought was Neil Strauss had to either look at this cover or
1: has seen this cover. You know, yeah. so
0: so tell me kind of what the what the thought was on the cover here.
1: Uh, I mean, the cover is a long story. So basically, I we got time. I hate we, we business don't, books. Okay. I read a lot. <laughs> I hate business books. I think they're all boring, uninteresting, and essentially at this point, it's all like cookie cutter. It's like all right, we're gonna take a public. We're gonna take someone who has a successful speaking career. They're gonna make up a big idea, and then we're gonna slap some clip art on the cover, and then we're, it's gonna be orange, and we're gonna sell it. Right. And I, I like. I didn't want to do that because I didn't have to write a book. So, um, and then I guess another unrelated thing. So I was very influenced by like some books that were written about journalism in the early 1900s, and those books are beautifully illustrated. They've got cool mm-hmm. covers, um, like. They they were very influenced by like sort of newspapery old time political cartoons, and so that was really important to me to be in the book. Um, the the publisher and I didn't necessarily see eye to eye on that early, but um, that happens. <laughs> we we tested we you know we tested it like crazy. And everyone responded to this image. And the designer who did this is, is amazing. She's the designer who did, like, Tucker's iconic book covers. Mm-hmm. And I, I've known her forever. And she, like, she read the book and she said she loved it. And she, she actually asked me if she could write the cover or if she could make the cover. And I was like, are you asking yeah. me? Like, of course, please. Like, I would kill to have you do it. And she came up with this thing. And actually, the, the picture is not so cool. This is based on a real picture of me. But it's, it's, uh... Like so, yeah. So like, first off, I the picture was of me when I was in when I was in college. I actually, actually, I was in St. Louis, where you are. Uh, are you serious? Yeah, yeah. This is right by the arch, and I had a I was. It was like a journalism conference I was at or something. Okay. And I had a pen in my mouth, and uh, and um, someone took a picture, and then a blog was writing about me, and they used the photo, and she was like. I bet I could turn that photo into something cool. And, you know, now it's this crazy thing from its uh, ridiculous origins.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's super cool. It may be definitely – like, I get a lot of books. Like, I don't want to show you the, the stack over here. Yeah. It's brutal. Uh, but I'm telling you, it, it definitely stuck out, and it was one of those cool things. Now, I got to ask –
1: go I wanted, ahead. Yeah, sorry. I, I wanted it. I wanted the cover to scream, this is not like those other books because it's not like those other books. Right. And and the cover for my first book, was. it was really important to me that, like, it looked good and it was cool. And so I, I, I think it accomplished that, if I must say so. Yeah, I,
0: I agree. Now, I got to ask you this because you're a strategic yeah. guy, so I know you're going to have an answer for this. Most yeah. people would dodge this, but you're, I know you're going to have an answer for this. So so okay. when pe- people write books for many different reasons. You know right. what I mean? Uh, artistic outlet would be probably the poorest of the loud. Uh, right. y- y- then you have all the way up to people that want to do – multi-million dollar speaking, consulting stuff like that. You have yeah, got yeah. people that just want to get an idea out to the world. You've got people that have all kinds of other strategic motives for doing it. And by the way, you have to have one otherwise why the hell do you write
1: a book at all? Yeah, if you don't have something to say, you're not trying to That's use what I'm saying. Thing. I mean, yeah,
0: yeah, you're wasting your time. So there 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 has to be an answer to this. Yeah. For you. You know, besides that, this is just great information for people to have, and I understand the value of it. Yeah. And, and people are really going to like this because it's very, very different, as you keep saying, and it's super interesting, it's captivating. What is your personal goal right now that this that you're hoping this book's going to do for you? Is it is it is it a next step? Is it something you're looking to do? Like, what are you hoping? Uh, and don't give me the cop out that you just want to change people's lives with the uh, with the book.
1: No, so like <laughs> I'll, I'll do it because uh, I'm kind of going to say something like that, but I'll do it in a non corny way. Okay. It's nice to make it non corny. You can say whatever you want. Right. No. Like, so if, obviously, if I wanted, if I, if I thought the system was working well and I wanted it to keep working this way and I was happy with my own role in it, I wouldn't be telling everyone about right. it. I would right. be like, you don't want to disturb this. I would, yeah. I would, you know, I, would, shh, I don't want anyone to know about this stuff because it's like, it's very lucrative and profitable for me to do what I do. But I kind of, it was like, you know what? Like, this isn't my identity, this isn't what makes me happy, I don't think that this is the best way for things to run. I think I could still be successful if things were different. And so I know that the system isn't going to change on its own and there's no one outside the system who has the access to know that this is what's going on. So I'm going to blow the whole thing up. That was the idea. And so everything about the way that it was written from the title to the cover to like the things I disclose in the book are fundamentally about Making it impossible, once exposed, for things to keep happening the way that they're happening. Like, I think at a bare minimum, now that this book is out, like bloggers can't deny that you know, like they can't claim that what they're doing is real journalism. They have to say, like, look, we're doing something different, and we know that we don't fact check anything, and we're just we're just after page views, we're just doing crazy things or, or whatever. They they. I'll, if they're not going to admit it, I'll admit it for them, and I'll tell everyone about it. And that's that was sort of what I was hoping to accomplish with the book, and uh, and I I hope that it I hope that it does that. I, I really I really do want to I don't want to change people's lives. I want to make them aware of what's going on behind the curtain. And if they want things to keep operating that way, then I guess. Like I'm the only one who has a problem with it, but I I don't think that's what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, and do you think this could lead to more books down the line? Do you think it's like, did you enjoy, like, did you have you enjoyed this kind of, like, it's funny that you were like the apprentice, you know, kind of, in a a certain way, but you were, you were not really the apprentice because it was more like you were actually doing stuff. It wasn't like you were just sitting there watching and oh, I see what to do now. You, you were, you were, you were the behind the scenes guy throwing fire. Uh, on other people's great works you know that they were getting out there and now it's your own great works which is kinda of like it's like whoa it's been weird yeah, yeah it, 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 have you enjoyed that? Has it been something that you're like god I, I could see myself now you know being like author dude you know what I mean
1: <laughs> yeah no I, I'm, I'm sure you know exactly how this goes like when you work for other people and you advise other people and you help and you consult it's it's awesome but at the end of the day it's never your call you mm-hmm. say this is how I think you should do it And they they either listen to you or you don't. Like when you do your own projects, like when you do your own show or whatever, everything's riding on you. And you you get to make it's like it's a blessing and a curse. You get to make all the decisions, but then you can't blame anyone else. Like being a being an advisor or a consultant is kind of the ideal position in that like uh, you say like your plan was perfect, but the the person just didn't do it right. You know like in this case. The plan doesn 't matter. it matters like how I execute, and so that's that's been interesting for me and yeah i definitely I definitely want to write more books. like writing has always been my passion. Hopefully, this is my only marketing book uh, i'd like to write about other things, like sort of the things I talk about on my website um, and but this was a book that that i this wasn 't necessarily the book I wanted to write as my first book or I ever thought I would write, but I had to like i I felt and I, I think the best books come from when. The writers really feel like they have something they have to say, and they can't not say it. And that's how I felt about this.
0: Cool. Final question: What was the most difficult part of writing the book?
1: Um, writing a book is easy. Editing a book is hard.
0: Yeah, uh, I hear you, brother.
1: Yeah, I, it took three months to write the book, five and a half months to get it to where we are talking right now. So that was uh... that was not fun.
0: Okay. Very cool. Fair enough. Well, the book's coming out. Uh, uh, trust me, I'm lying. Confessions of a media manipulator. Uh, where do do you have any links you want to send people to? Now's a good time to tell them we're gonna link them all up in the show notes, whether it's book related or your website or anything like that or anything online. Um, where people because you know they're gonna see they're gonna be like I like this dude. I wanna find out more info.
1: Yeah. So I mean, my site's RyanHoliday.net. Um, that there's a book site if you wanna go there. It's TrustMeI'mLying.com. And then uh, on my site, like I do like a reading newsletter. Like I, I'm really passionate about books. Um, I don't talk about the authors that I work for. I, I do like a monthly curated like recommendation email of books. And oh, that's people cool. If you want to sign up for that, I think it's, it's like RyanHoliday.net/reading-newsletter, or it's it's on the top. We'll find of the site. it somewhere.
0: We'll find yeah, it, and we will link it up. we'll, yeah, get, yeah, we'll no. get the proper yeah.
1: link. I promise on that one. So,
0: uh, well, Ryan, well, good luck, man. This has been awesome, and uh, I, I think it's going to crush it for you. And uh, keep up the good work.
1: Thank you very much. Look forward to meeting you next time you're in New Orleans.
0: Uh, sounds like a plan. All right. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, entertaining conversation with ryan holiday picked up some ideas and some things that you can use or not use which i don't often say uh... but you know some of the stuff we walk a fine line here but it's always good to show uh, different sides uh... Of, of what's going on and what people are really doing out there to have success so big thanks to ryan make sure to grab the book um... it, it really is a good book check that out uh, confessions of a media manipulator uh... trust me i'm lying is the official first part of that title so check that out uh... very very good book big thank you once again to not only ryan but our our sponsors that make rise possible this is why that the show is i'm able to create it free for you guys is thanks to our sponsors so carbonite uh, make sure to check them out it is the better backup plan and we've got a no credit card free trial for you just head over to carbonite.com take the free trial and if you decide that you're going to grab carbonite and back up those files and never lose your files again Enter the promo code RISE, you can get two additional months free. And also, go to my PC, access your files from anywhere, anywhere, iPad, iPhone, anywhere that has the internet. You can access your files. You never can be like, oh, I'm on the wrong device. You're gonna have everything on every device, thanks to Go to My PC. Head over to go to my and click the try it free button, and the promo code RISE for 45 days. Free. And also a final reminder if you haven't already, hop on the Rise VIP email list. Here's why, because I always send stuff out first to the email list, you know. So if you're subscribed in a different way, like iTunes or you know, any other kind of stuff, you're getting part of what we have, but not everything. VIP gets everything. So blog posts, insights, extra commentary. Hear the first about products, bonus stuff, all kinds of things. Head over to the rise enter that email. Boom, the slash V I. Rystop.com slash VIP. I will see you next time. I'm David Seitman Garland. See ya.